0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 772 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host brad roland coming to you on a thursday night into friday morning today's episode is brought to you by built bar built bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on to get ten dollars off on your first order not a ton of news in Hawksland this week, if you missed it, I had an extended conversation with the great Tower Jones on our last episode a couple of days ago, and uh, a more newsy pod before that. It took a couple of days off, and i trying to give you guys three, three episodes a week, and this is the third one. So here we are talking about some mailbag stuff on today's podcast in the absence of a ton of news. With that said, there is one bit of news-ish content that I wanted to make sure that I highlighted quickly here, and that is that John Collins is the winner of the 2019-20 Jason Collier Memorial Trophy that issued by the Hawks. If you're not familiar with this, um, Collier was a former Hawks center that passed away back back in 2005, and the Hawks have been giving out an award um, in his honor for the player who, and I'm, I'm going to quote this now, who most closely exemplifies the characteristics of a community ambassador displayed by Collier, end quote, since the 2005 season. So it's been a while. Uh, this is an annual thing, and uh, past winners include Josh Childress, who won it twice, Marvin Williams twice, Al Horford, Josh Smith, Alza Pachulia, Devin Harris, Kyle Korver; Damari Carroll, Mike Muscala, Paul Millsap, Malcolm Delaney, and last year it was Kent Bazemore, a lot of great guys. On that list and their community work is uh, certainly worth recognizing. I uh, had a couple people ask me, uh, how basically how it was possible that Collins could win this award in the same season in which he was suspended for PED use. And I understand that may seem a little bit strange, um, but I will point out that again, this is, an, this is an award that is entirely for work in the community, it's not about on court stuff. And I know that's kind of a weird thing to honor, John, but I understand that. Um, just think about what, what the criteria is, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Also, worth pointing out and emphasizing in this space that Collins did an absolute ton of work in the community this year from working with Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Metro Atlanta to his pop-up grocery store giveaways uh, in Atlanta and down in South Florida, as well as visiting patients at children's health Children's care and uh, even providing meals and clothes to veterans organizations. Just a, a ton of work being done by John, who uh, I've always enjoyed talking to and uh, definitely rave reviews for John's personality and the way that he uh, works in the community. I think he generally cares and tries to invest back in the community. So, shouts to him for that. And by the way, uh, even before COVID-19 and the hiatus and the protests against racial injustice, I think the Hawks were already doing a really really good job in the community. Uh, it's worth pointing that out. and I, I don't always talk about it as much as I probably should on this podcast, but uh, Collins is a good representative of the, of the franchise that way. And uh, there you go. Wanted to make sure that I always pointed out that that took place uh, a couple of days ago and uh, in between our last show and this show. That'll be the uh, last bit of news. On the pod, and if something crazy happens over the weekend, we might break in with more news. But for the rest of the show, we're going to get into the mailbag. Uh, First question that I want to touch on here comes from Garrett, who says uh, he is really enjoying the draft coverage, which I appreciate. Thank you for that, Garrett. Um, And then the question is, knowing what you know now, would you rather have Bruno Fernando or the number 34 overall pick that the Hawks are sending to Philadelphia? I appreciate the kind words, obviously. Um, There is plenty of draft coverage coming, so don't worry, Garrett. Um, I will say this... um, as a note at the top of this question, the trade was not just Bruno for the 34th pick this year. The Hawks sent me 50, number 57 pick last year, which became Jordan Bone, as part of the deal. Um, but still, it's an interesting question because the Hawks um, did trade up for Bruno in the exact same spot. It was the 34th pick, and this year it's the 34th, uh, 34th pick again. Um, and that is the that is, that is why the Hawks don't have their own pick this year in the second round, which obviously would, would be a pretty good pick, and that's why they're sending it off to Philly. Um, for the record... It would be wise to keep in mind that the Hawks came into last year's draft with three pretty good second-round picks. They uh, used number 35 in the Hunter trade as part of that transaction with the Pelicans, and they dumped 41 and 44. Um, 44 was basically just a pure pick sale. The 41 uh, trade, which became Eric Pascal, who was a, already good, a pretty good player, to Golden State was motivated, motivated by a sale portion. They did get a pick in that deal, which is worth pointing out, but still um, not great stuff that I criticized at the time. Alas. This is pretty interesting, though. Um, Bruno, or the 34th pick this year. Um, I talked extensively about Bruno during my player review series with Ben Ladner uh, earlier in the hiatus, so I definitely recommend going back and listening to that podcast. Really, all five of those shows were a lot of fun to do. Some deep dives in there if you missed those, please go check those out. But uh, we did spend about you know 20 minutes on Bruno in that space, so if you want a, a lot more on Bruno, go back and listen to that. With that said, um, I think Bruno last year... Um, At 34 was a pretty good value. I thought that at the time, I thought it was a perfectly reasonable pick. The the trade was reasonable. Um, I had him ranked in that range, so I thought it was pretty uh, pretty solid. And and overall, last year's class was better than this year's class. Um, That's worth keeping in mind as well. It was a mixed bag, certainly, for Bruno this year as a rookie. He did have some effort and attendance issues along the way. Um, but also showed some nice flashes. I think he does have a, a, quite quite a bit of skill. He's a good athlete, um, physicality-wise. He's definitely someone who can project in the future, and he's still a really young player, so I think it's important not to give up on Bruno just so far. I think overall, he could be a rotation player in the NBA. I'm not saying he's going to be a great starter or anything like that, um, but with some more seasoning, I think he certainly could be a solid contributor in the league. Um, I'm also not 100% sure, though, that's going to happen in Atlanta, given that he's now the third string center for the Hawks, and really... He's a, four, he's a four-string center when you account for the fact that John Collins is going to play some at the five as well. It will probably take an injury or some rest stuff or Bruno can get, get on the floor a ton this year because of Capella, and uh, Dedman is better than him as well, and then you throw, and then you throw in Collins. Uh, so it could be a little bit tough to get him playing time this year. Regardless, um, that could center his growth a little bit, but with all that said, I think Fernando is not someone I, I would give up on, to be sure. I think he can certainly return value on that pick eventually if things break in the right way. Now, uh, comparing him to the number thirty-four pick this year, it's pretty interesting to me. I think in a vacuum, I had Fernando rated higher as a prospect than the guys that I would personally have at like thirty-four, thirty-five in this year's draft, um, particularly at center. Like for instance, I like him more than guys uh, at, at center that are mocked in that range-ish this year, like Vernon Carey or Daniel Arturo or Reggie Perry. I would rather have Bruno than all those guys. Um, not by a ton, but I certainly would. I like I like Bruno more than those guys just as a projection kind of thing. So that's a, that's a point in the favor of Bruno. Um, with that said, the Hawks specifically, I think you could probably argue that the pick would have more valuable, uh w- w- would be more valuable, I should say, than having Bruno right now, if only because of the investment that the Hawks have already made in the front court um, at this point in time, which the Hawks didn't know that they were going to do a year ago when they drafted Bruno, but given that they've now traded for Capella, who's on a long-term contract, who's definitely a starter moving forward, and then you have Deadmond as well, plus Collins, there's a lot of investment there. So you could certainly make the argument that the Hawks would be better off having the pick. Uh, depending on how the board ends up going when the draft finally arrives, I'm actually pretty confident that there'll be somebody that I rank... Um, High enough to justify picking at 34. Like, for instance, um, this isn't 100% to to happen, but I'm pretty sure there'll be someone that I think is a better prospect prospect than Bruno that is still available at 34 this year. So, just from pure terms, that means I'd probably rather have the pick. Just because for the Hawks specifically, again, it's important to note the Hawks probably don't want to prioritize drafting a center in this draft in the second round especially, but really overall. Now, granted, if they have that player as the best player available, you can still do it, as we talked about a number of times. As we, I'll keep saying that. You can still draft best player available. With that said, I don't think the Hawks are looking to draft a center if they uh, don't have that guy certainly in a, in a tier by themselves at this point in time. So I think if you made me choose... Um, after that rambling explanation, I think I would probably take the pick. Um, that does not mean that I don't like Bruno, though. I think that the trade was totally fine. I still think that at this point in time. I still think that Bruno is an interesting prospect, so it's not a trade that I would lament in a big way. I think just to answer the question, though, I'd rather have the pick just because of where the Hawks are right now, and I have some faith in you know the way that I view things versus where Bruno is, but still, it's not a crazy disparity, so it's a pretty good question, and it's uh, certainly a toss-up. I think the bigger issues last year were you know, the trades, for the 100, the 100 value, also just giving the the picks away at 41 and 44, where there were guys like Pascal and Terrence Davis and Terrence Mann, et cetera, et cetera. Th- those guys were available, and that was a much bigger problem than trading for Bruno. And again, that trade was uh, overall fine, in my opinion. Okay, we'll get to more mailbag stuff in a moment, but before we get to that, uh, a word from the good folks at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever, and there are honestly almost endless reasons to love Built Bar. In addition to the incredible taste, Built Bar is perfect for anybody that's trying to be health conscious with the ability to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in something that tastes absolutely delicious. Every bar is low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, and to make things even better, it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, which really helps with that candy bar taste, and unlike some of the competitors, Built Bars are soft and easy to chew. My personal favorite is the banana nut bread flavor, which I always say on the podcast, but there are tons of great options available. In fact, there are 16 amazing flavors to choose from, and they all present their own appeal that anyone could fall in love with. I would fully and absolutely recommend Built Bar. And to check it out for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED ON, and get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED ON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It's a perfect day to try Built Bar. All right. And the next question on the podcast comes from Mario, who says, Because of where the team is, would it make sense for the Hawks to look for restrictive reagents this summer? Who would be the best options if they chose the RFA route? Um, I'm assuming the reference to, quote, where the team is, end quote, um, in this question is talking about the fact that Atlanta wants to stay young, probably, and uh, because of that, restricted guys are often and usually younger than unrestricted unrestricted guys. That's not always the case, um, but for the most part, RFAs are younger and they would be closer to the Hawks timeline. So I'm going to assume that's what the question means. Um, Through that lens, it would make sense on paper to focus on restricted guys just because of where the Hawks are and how young they are still. It is important, though, to point out and always remember that restricted free agency is extremely tricky to navigate. Um, Often teams have to overpay even have a chance to steal a player away on a restricted contract just because of the fact that um, teams usually, if they have not traded that guy, if that guy's pretty good, the incumbent team usually has some reason to try to keep them. Now, famously, the Hawks lost a restricted guy a couple of years ago with Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, went to New York, um, but... As I cover on the podcast then and wrote about, that was a an offer from the Knicks that was uh, a very, very clear overpay that shocked the entire league, including the Hawks. So that, that's an example, though, of what you kind of have to do to get a guy to leave the team that he's already uh, on in a, in, a, in a restricted setting, especially if they're pretty good and the team wants to keep them. So keep that in mind. You have to probably overpay in any situation, even for a good player. Now, you're in a tough spot because you're signing a less-than-ideal contract, probably, because of that overpay, and you're hoping it works out a little bit better than you might even project to justify it. Now, for this year alone, it's fairly interesting. There are a couple guys who are certainly worth pointing out and talking about, and we'll touch on briefly here, but it's not overwhelmingly good. The only guy on the market other than Anthony Davis, who is unrestricted, of course, but he probably is going to be staying with the Lakers, um, the only guy that is in a position on free agency to command a max is Brandon Ingram. He is restricted with the Pelicans. Um, I think he could probably get a max from multiple teams. Um, With that said, uh, he'd be interested for the Hawks, obviously, to pursue, given the fact that he made huge strides this year as a shooter and uh, with his overall efficiency this year, and because he's extremely young, he's not even 23 until September, and obviously would be pretty interesting for the Hawks. But everything, and I mean everything you hear, is that the Pelicans will match any offer. And really, I mean, any offer, like even the full boat, max, whatever the least team-friendly deal imaginable is, I think the Pelicans would probably match it. Um, You could certainly argue that the Hawks could offer it anyway, just because they have the cap space, and what's the worst that could happen is that the Pelicans don't match it. But I think it's going to be very unlikely that Brandon Ingram leaves New Orleans. So we're going to assume for this podcast that he's going to stay in New Orleans, even if I could certainly argue that he's the guy that you want as the Hawks. Now, from there... You're in a spot where you try to find players that you like enough to pay real money to, but players that, for whatever reason, might be able to actually escape their uh, old teams. So, I think the next best restricted guy available is uh, the Kings' wing, Bogdan Um, He's not as good as Ingram, and he's older than Ingram, but he obviously helped the Hawks as a multi-talented wing that checks a lot of boxes. He'll be 28 um, when the season starts. That's pretty old for, for, a free, for a free agent of any kind, much less a RFA guy. With that said... The Kings are signaling that they're probably going to match any reasonable offer here. So, unless you want a crazy overpay, and I would not probably do that, I wouldn't be too excited to go ahead and do that, uh, given his age and uh, some of the stuff that, uh, you know, he'd be sort of overlapping in some ways for the Hawks. The next biggest name is probably Malik Beasley, who's a local guy from Atlanta. Um, but you run into a similar issue in terms of what he... Um, Will probably need to get offered to leave Minnesota. Minnesota clearly wants to keep him. They've been on the record with that even early on, and uh, the way that they traded for him and invested in him. He's not a great fit either in Atlanta. As like a, I think he's about six four. He's definitely a one position guy as a sm- as a smaller shooting guard. I'm not sure defensively that would work out very well. He'd certainly helped them on offense, but I think the combination of the kind of a weird fit and the fact that Minnesota wants to keep him, I'd be surprised. Um, from there, you get into a lot more just like more pure role player types. Chris Dunn is a guy that I've always liked in Atlanta. I've talked about a lot on this podcast, I know he's gotten into it with Troy Young, uh, in the past, uh, with some scrappy stuff on the, on the court, but I think, aside from that, he's an awesome defender, I think he'd be fun with the Hawks as a multi-position guy, I think he, I'd actually think he'd play, he'd play well with Young if they got along, uh, in the backcourt, because of his defense, he, Dunn's not a great guy in terms of running an offense, but if you need him to help with creation, he could probably do that a little bit, and play, play great defense in the backcourt, he'd be a guy that I would like to maybe, uh, try to see if you can steal away from Chicago, um, and to, by the way, the Bulls are or probably in a spot where they probably are not going to pay him because they've got Kobe White. Um, they've got plenty of uh, investment. Tom, Tomas Satoransky. they got plenty invested in point guard. I think he probably get out of there. Um, Jakob Pearl is a guy that I've always liked, but the Hawks are not in a spot right now to pay for a center type, I don't think, in, in free agency, given the Capella investment. A couple other names... Chris Boucher and Dario Saric could be interesting, in my opinion. I think Saric might be underrated, actually, at this point in time. He was probably overrated in the past. Now I think people have cooled on him almost too much. I think he's a pretty decent player. You you might be be able to get him cheap. Um, But he's also 26. He's not great at anything individually, so um, not an overpaid situation for me anyway. In terms of RFA guys, my favorite, I think, combination of fit, talent, age, and realistic like being able to get this guy is probably DeAnthony Melton. I'd recommend reading Andrew Kelly's deep dive into Melton at Peachtree Hoops That from early on early on in the hiatus. That was a really, really deep breakdown from Andrew that I thought was awesome. So go ahead and read that for the full look at Melton. But he's someone that I've always liked, Melton, dating back to 2018. If you're a long-time listener, you probably remember that I was kind of fawning over Melton in the draft. I uh, selected him in a couple of mock draft settings. I think the Hawks should have taken him at 30, and I said that over and over again. Uh, even 19 should have considered him there. Um, he just turned 22. He's still very young. Played well last year in Memphis. The Grizz's were really good when he played, and that's not a huge coincidence. I'm not sure about his shooting. That's the big question with Melton. But offensively, he's got some creation ability as a ball handler, as a passer. He turns the ball over too much, but still a lot of talent for him there. And then defensively, uh, this is the more important thing. He's an awesome defender and uh, can play defense at the 1 and the 2. Um, checks a lot of boxes, honestly. Can play with Young, play without Young. On the timeline, He'd help the defense right away, and I think you, you're definitely going to have to overpay probably a little bit in Memphis, but he's not necessarily a guy who screams that you have to like give him a crazy amount of money. Um, the Grizzlies definitely want to keep him, I would imagine, at a reasonable number, but there's probably a window there where you're paying for his prime, too, at ages 22 through 26, maybe, on a four-year deal. There's growth potential there. I like Melton quite a bit. It uh, may not happen. The Grizzlies might want to keep him, but uh, that's someone I would circle in my brain, and uh, shouts to Andrew for that piece. So overall, I think RFA can be perilous, that's important to keep in mind i'd be interested in melton or dunn or maybe sarich at the right price bogdanovich would be interesting if the kings just punted on him somehow um and the market's always weird with restricted guys but uh i find it really hard to sort of answer the question in full to project a rfa guy to leave that's actually good just because it doesn't happen all that often um but hopefully that answers your question and uh we'll talk about more of those guys if we get some intel that they could be interesting for the hawks okay uh one more read here before we get to the uh, last portion of the podcast and it comes from the good folks at rockauto.com rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years you go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver rockauto.com has everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door one big reason people choose to repair and maintain their own cars is to save money that can be used for other important stuff. So, why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for pro mechanics and do it yourselfers uh, but at rockauto.com, prices are always the same for everybody and they're always the lowest prices possible. Rockauto.com catalog is also remarkably easy to navigate. You can also quickly see the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specs, and prices that you prefer. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login. Again, and uh, perhaps best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the prices available for your car or your truck, and then from there, you want to write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we absolutely sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, and the final question that we're going to get to on today's uh, sort of week-ending podcast comes from Jonathan, uh, and he asked, Do you see Donovan Mitchell as a possibility for the Hawks at some point in the near future via trade or free agency, just asking for a friend? Uh, Thank you, Jonathan, for that. Um, First, this has been an ongoing topic, sort of somewhat in jest, in the Peaster Hoop Slack channel for some time, especially from my good pal, Andrew Kelly, who I mentioned before uh, early on in the show. It's a uh, sort of a running gag that Mitchell could be available and could be a guy that the Hawks could target. Um, it's somewhat funny, but alas, it's a topic that's come up. So there you go on that. And shout out to Jonathan for the question. Um, people have asked, and uh, wasn't just Jonathan. I've got multiple questions about this, actually, especially during the time where there was some uh, reported infighting in Utah between Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. So I figured it's a good time to go ahead and hit this now before we get really into the nitty-gritty here. So... First and foremost, this is important to remember, I have no idea, again, I have no idea if Mitchell will actually be available at any point. There was that flurry of speculation about Mitchell and Gobert from the COVID-19 episode and rumored feelings, but it's quite a down since then, and the rumblings you hear honestly more lately are about Rudy Gobert being available, which is less appealing to the Hawks, given their situation right now. Um... Important to set the stage here. Mitchell's in the same draft class as John Collins, which means he's under contract for this year at a pretty cheap number, about $5.2 million. And then he's a restricted free agent, but he is he is extension eligible, eligible this summer. And uh, Utah, I'm pretty sure, is going to offer him a lot of money, maybe even the max or more. Uh, not, more than, not more than the max, but maybe the max um, quickly, I should say. I'm not sure they're going to do that, but they certainly could. It's something I would assume is probably going to happen. Um, so you probably... You know, need Mitchell to one out. Frankly, Utah's not always a free agent des- destination, and uh, it is possible Mitchell could one out, but uh, we don't know that at this point in time, at least uh, fully. If he doesn't want out, I would expect the Jazz to offer a max. And you know, honestly, and something I always say, the vast majority of guys who are offered the max extension from the rookie deals take it, especially if it's a year early like this, like like this would be. Um, even if they want to ask out later, you take the money. It's life changing money. It's you know nine figure contract. Um, maybe Utah would try to hardball him a little bit. P- provided they offer a ton of money, Mitchell probably takes it. We'll see. Um, even if he wants to get out eventually, that's important to keep in mind, too. If he signs the extension, he can't be traded for a long while, so that would be a sort of off the table for the near future for the Hawks or anybody else. If he passes on the extension, maybe Utah would maybe consider trading him, but at the same time, they have match rights on him, and I think they're going to just pay him whatever he gets next summer if they don't extend him. So... Um, I think he kind of has to publicly say he wants to get out or at least make it very clear behind the scenes that he wants to get out in order to get traded. So, um, for the purposes of this question, the exercise will assume, just for right now, that Mitchell wants to be traded for some reason uh, or the Jazz want to sell on him, which I can't imagine is going to be the case, but let's just assume that he wants out or the Jazz want him out. Um, he's not a perfect fit for the Hawks. I will say that. There are some positives and there are some negatives. Positive-wise, he's obviously a good player. He's very good. He's young, he turns 24 in September, and uh, his next contract will be his prime, you would imagine, given his age. Um, He's aligned with the time frame of the Hawks, and Atlanta should be in the market for a young player that has star upside, um, almost regardless of circumstance. So all that to say, that all makes sense. Also, Mitchell would give the Hawks that secondary career that the Hawks have been looking for probably need along the way, that number two perimeter guy behind Trey Young that could create at the highest levels, Uh, and Mitchell is obviously just a good basketball player. So that's all the positive. Negatives, he's not a great fit with Trey um, whatsoever on paper. Mitchell rated as one of the worst defenders in the league this year by the advanced metrics, and I don't think that's necessarily indicative of what he'll always be. In fact, when he was a prospect coming out of Louisville, he was actually known for his defense, which is kind of funny. Um, I think he can be better than that, but still, he is small. He's officially listed at 6'1". Six, at six he is uh, a lot smaller than the guy you would ideally choose to play next to Trey Young. And that definitely matters. I think he can play defense better than he did this year, but uh, that's keep that's worth keeping in mind. It's probably the biggest single question slash problem with acquiring someone like Mitchell. Um, offensively, also he's not incredibly efficient, and at this stage, his best value is probably just as a lead guy who takes up a lot of usage. But he already has a career high, a career usage write over thirty percent. So he's not exactly um, dynamic off the ball necessarily. He's not a great shooter. He's he's a fine shooter. He's not he's not great. Um, you certainly could take Trey off the ball a little bit, but Mitchell's just not as good as Trey Young is on is, is offense. So you're talking about an offensive fit that could certainly work, but defensively, uh, the questions are pretty significant. Um, the short version is that Mitchell is not someone I'd cross off, for sure, because he is talented, he is good. But, and by the way, Stars are just not available that often, which is kind of what this comes down to. But the Hawks also have a, the ammo to make a trade like this. That's something to keep in mind, too. And there's an Adidas connection, which I want to make sure I point out between Mitchell and and Young, and Collins, those guys are all Adidas guys. That doesn't always matter, but it could, certainly. And uh, he's in the same class as Collins, which also matters as well. But anyway, Mitchell is smaller than you'd want. I worry about the defense quite a bit, and I also worry about Atlanta's defense long-term even without Mitchell, so this this would definitely not make it any better. Um, But it would obviously help the offense, and they could certainly go all in on offense and go with this kind of move if they wanted to sort of maximize, and Mitchell was available. So overall... I'd be kind of wary of any like bidding war for Mitchell if I'm the Hawks because I'm sure that my personal price for Mitchell as the Hawks would be lower um, than some other teams would be just because um, some other teams would be in the market for a number one creator and Mitchell probably can be that on a pretty good team as we've already seen. Um, but I think the price for the Hawks should be a little bit lower because he's not going to be the number one guy in Atlanta. He's a, he's a, he's a uh, I don't want to say I don't want to say supporting piece, but he's certainly not the number one option offensively. He's not as good as Trey offensively, so that's worth pointing out as well. Uh, I understand the question for sure, as I said before, and something we talked about behind the scenes, but honestly, I'm not sure what the Hawks would think. I have no sourcing on that, so my questions would be my questions, and I don't know what the Hawks would feel like, but um, either way, I think Mitchell would almost certainly have to publicly demand a trade to get out of Utah right now, so I think this is probably not super likely to happen. I think they're going to move on from Gobert if they have to, before if they make one choice out of those two guys, I would guess it would be Gobert. That's, again, a guess. But um, I'm not asked the Hawks. I don't know anything about the Hawks and in, uh, interest there, and they wouldn't tell me probably if they had interest. So there you go on that. But hopefully that answers the question in sort of deeper fashion. And uh, Mitchell was a good player, so you obviously could do worse than adding someone who is you know a fringe all-star kind of guy offensively um, that would help you quite a bit. There you go. Okay, that'll do it for today's podcast. Um, I want to go ahead and just remind you guys to subscribe to the podcast. I know I always say that, but I want to really make sure that I say it clearly. Uh, it really helps when you subscribe to the show um, and also when you leave five-star feedback if you really enjoy the podcast. So check us out, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. How you like, how you like to listen to podcasts? We really appreciate all of your patronage, but please go ahead and hit have that hit um, i guess choose that subscribe button that's the best way to put it that's the best best and simplest way to put it is to go ahead and subscribe also check out the sponsors that's also very helpful in helping us to promote and keep the show alive is uh patronizing the sponsors so check out built bar um check out rockauto.com etc etc also tell a friend or two about the show if you have any hawks fan friends that you do not listen to the podcast pass it along to them i really appreciate that as well okay um yeah thank you for listening as always The plan, unless something crazy happens, I'll not be back until next week. But uh, as you, I guess, already see, I am trying to stay to this at least three episodes per week, even during this dead time. We'll see how long that lasts. But we're trying our best to give you guys content. And hopefully everybody is enjoying the podcast. Thank you one more time for listening. And we'll see everybody next week.